0: Podcast. I'm Pastor Wes. Tonight we're going to be talking about deconstruction. And this is a pretty popular term in uh, the uh, the church today. And um, we're going to talk about what it means and four questions I have, or maybe three questions. One of them's in, uh, sort of part of another. And um, whether it's good or bad or not or something we should take part in or the church as a whole should take part in. Now, there's two people that wrote articles that I want to focus on. One is Michael J. Kruger, who wrote an article um, about the idea that there's actually two kinds of deconstruction. Now, deconstruction is um, what you would think it sounds like, the idea of taking apart. But um, in the Christian world, um, it means different to a lot of different people. So it's very difficult to sort of lay down exactly what it's supposed to mean. But generally... You are questioning um, the common meaning of something. You're questioning um, the idea of the church structure. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of it has come from uh, the abuse that has occurred within churches, people being angry at the, uh, at the structure of the church, the way the pastors have abused their authority in various ways. Um, and that's led to a lot of hurt, a lot of pain a lot of spiritual abuse, and so people decided to start deconstructing. And, of course, this is mainly in the Western world. It's very American, um, as uh, a lot of fads are, and this feels like it's one of those things that's a a moment. Now, there are people um, such as Curtis Vanderpool, who writes for Relevant Magazine, who believes that this is actually a, a moment of reform. It's not just a fad, it's, it's beyond that. Um, the Gospel Coalition, for instance, wrote an article about it saying that uh, we should be doing um, Reconstruction, but within the church. And uh, he says that that's really just trying to co-opt it. That really what we're trying to get at is something that will totally reform the church. He says it will sweep Western Christianity into massive reform. And remind us that our money and resources are meant to help alleviate poverty, not... For buildings and programs it will erase the divide between the ordained clergy and lay people Uh, It will remind us that God chooses all people to love to serve and lead in their own right Without the stringent gatekeeping of institutions Uh, That it will remind followers of Jesus that we are human And we are part of the world full of humans loved by God It will remind us that being set apart means we're charged with exemplifying love in all places Um. It will blur the lines uh, between orthodoxy and orthopraxy, because theology will no longer be about having the one right answer to each question, and it will lead to humility focus on focusing on what we do know, how to love people, and trust God for the rest. And it may be the end of churches in the West, but it will not be the end of Christianity. And that's by Curtis Vanderpool. Now, um Michael J. Kruger would not be as intense about that. He has two different types of deconstruction. He says it's not complete, total deconstruction. That's one type of thing. He says there's also reforming deconstruction. That is, deconstruction that reforms in more of a positive way, so it sort of strips away the things that we find negative, say, in our culture or the traditions that we have in the church that maybe be holding people back. And what he does is... He uses Martin Luther as an example of a deconstructionist. Uh, now, I talked about this in a f- earlier video about Marxism. I don't think it's good to take modern categories and put them back onto people from the past. Um, deconstruction comes from uh, Derrida and, and the idea of postmodernism and taking the meaning away from a text. It's about destabilization of meaning from words, and words are the manifestation of how we think. And so it's, it's a sort of uh, radical type of subjectivity. So I would not say that that was what Luther was doing. Luther was not deconstructing Rome. Um, for one, he didn't reform it. Um, he totally ruptured the uh, relationship between Rome and those who were trying to reform. Uh, two, he was basing his critique one, on the idea of indulgences, and the second part of that on the authority of, of the Pope. He was doing that on the basis of Scripture, so he was actually using a foundation to critique uh, Rome. He was not saying, let's deconstruct the idea of authority in the church, or let's say there is no clergy. Uh, or let's say that the church can't make, say, certain demands on you morally, that church discipline should be questioned, and things of that nature. Um, All of those things were not questioned by Luther. What was questioned by Luther is, does the church have the right to make a claim that a doctrine is true when we don't find it in Scripture, say, purgatory? And therefore, does the church then have the right to... um, say that indulgences will be a way to help people who are in purgatory? uh, Or does this pope here have the ability to rule over people in a civil sense and a spiritual sense when there is no uh, sort of infallible office that exists within Scripture? So he was using Scripture as his foundation. He was not deconstructing. He was not taking apart the idea of authority in church or what the church can Demand upon people, so I would reject his sort of differentiation there. Um, as for Vanderpool, when he talks about what deconstruction is and what it's supposed to do, and that it's necessary and it's he believes it's a movement from God. Uh, again, I I would disagree with this. I think there's there's at least three questions we need to ask when we're dealing. Uh, with something like deconstruction because again it, it, it's not a term that we can take and then just say it means whatever we want it to mean unless we're deconstructing the word deconstruction which I think Derrida might would enjoy but it means something it's not just a sort of random term it's it, it, the mere idea that we are simply questioning people or demanding that people who have abused their authority be disciplined that is not the same thing as deconstruction and um, because we're using a foundation to be able to demand that they are sent to justice, for instance. In deconstruction, um, everything is destabilized. The whole notion of meaning is destabilized. You, you, can't, um, you can't say that simply by questioning a, uh, a pastor's authority to do something or uh, questioning whether a pastor should be Uh, discipline because of what they've done in church, that that is a form of deconstruction. Questioning things is not deconstruction. Uh, We have to remember Christ um, condescended down to us. He took on flesh, became man, and he subjected himself to questions. He wasn't deconstructing himself. He was allowing people to try and learn. He was allowing people to come to truth, and I would hope that pastors and people in ministry would take that example quite seriously and allow people to question uh, ministers. That I think that's absolutely necessary within the church. And, and there's biblical <clears throat> precedent for it. Questions are always important, and it's always important to go to the Word of God to do that. But when you start deconstructing and say you want to deconstruct the structure of the church or you want to deconstruct a particular doctrine, you ultimately are going to have to go back to the source of where we get the ideas from the structure of the church and uh, the doctrines, and that is the Bible. And so, if you read something like Sophia Society, and the Sophia Society, um, they they have a uh, an online class you can take that is deconstructing the inerrancy of Scripture, because they say inerrancy is a foundation of sand that was built. Well, if we start doing that, and we start saying that nothing in the Bible can be true at all, in any objective sense then we're we're getting to a point uh, where it'd be very difficult to continue calling us Christians. Um, so you know we want to we want to be very careful about this and make sure there's a differentiation. There isn't a sort of reforming deconstruction because deconstruction means to strip, not just to strip away, but to completely destabilize. and if if people want to do that, of course, that's up to them but when they do that it's not surprising that most of them end up losing their faith altogether Uh, that's just the the case of it but there are three questions that i would ask before we start to to uh, deconstruct number one um when you're going to deconstruct how do you determine the boundaries of what's deconstructed and i don't think a lot of people think about this before they start doing it they say let's deconstruct our faith And Some churches whole churches are actually doing this and they say let's deconstruct our faith. Well, why can't you deconstruct? Anything else? Why can't you deconstruct your marriage or your? uh, relationship with your children or your situation with your employer or your employees if you're a boss or your relationship with your parents all of those things Can be deconstructed and there's no reason if you're going to deconstruct one which has eternal consequences Why couldn't you deconstruct the other? Um, There are no boundaries within deconstruction. And then ultimately, the the real question is, why do you not end up deconstructing yourself? Now, part of deconstruction is, one, you question the common meaning behind the thing you're discussing. The second thing is you find a cultural bias within it um, to question it. So, for instance, with something like homosexuality, you would say, well, these people lived a long time ago that wrote the Bible, and they're in a completely different culture and completely different time, and we know more now about psychology or sexuality, etc. And so you would say, so what they wrote back then, I don't have to adhere to now. But why can't you say that about yourself? Why can't you say that you have your own biases you have been brought up in a certain particular way, and you live in a certain particular context. Maybe everything that you think about yourself is wrong. Um, when you start doing that, then it, it, it becomes quite unsettling. And so, when you start deconstructing, I think those are the questions. You, that's a question you need to ask. The second question should be: How do you reconstruct? Um, Richard Rohr has this idea that you you construct, you deconstruct. The third part is. Reconstruction. Well, there's nothing to reconstruct on. If you deconstruct your faith, there isn't a foundation there anymore. If you start, for instance, saying that the Bible isn't inerrant, if it's not true, then what are you rebuilding the faith on in the first place? The reason why we know something about God is because of the revelation he's given to us. Uh, we don't just pull these things out of thin air. You know, God loved us. Well, the manifestation of God loving us is that he sent his son to die for us. We only know that from Scripture. If, if God didn't tell us that he did that, we wouldn't know. It'd just be another guy who died 2,000 years ago. So, revelation is vital to how we know who God is and how we know anything about ourselves. Uh, so, how do you reconstruct once you've deconstruct? We have to remember in Scripture, God is a builder. First, he creates the world. And then, constantly... To allow us to be closer to him, to allow us to be saved, he tells man to build. So Noah is told to build the ark. Moses is told to build the tabernacle. Solomon is told to build the temple. The temple is destroyed, not because people start questioning something about God, but because God was judging them. So he destroys the temple, but when, they, when they're brought back into the land, he tells Zerubbabel, you need to build it again, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, in Zechariah 4. And then when Christ Himself comes, the incarnate God Himself, He says, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in, in three days, John 2, 18 through 22. So He Himself builds a temple for us to dwell in, for us to be in. We are to be in Christ. And then we get to the very end and we see that God has actually made a new earth, a new heaven, and there's a new city that we all get to dwell in for eternity. With him, so God is a builder, and we are called to be builders. We are living stones, building up the temple of God uh, for a habitation for the Holy Spirit, according to Ephesians two, eighteen through twenty-two. So, if we deconstruct, we have a biblical precedent for how we construct. If you remove the scriptures, if you deconstruct scripture itself, which is the source of how we know anything about our faith then what are you building up back up on? So, those are two questions, right? How do you know the boundaries of deconstruction? The second one, how do you reconstruct? The third one, I think, is important because it talks about love, and it talks about orthodoxy and orthopraxy, and a lot of people seem to think that orthodoxy and love are at odds. Actually, somebody does comment in one of these articles that Uh, The question is between orthodoxy and love. We are going to have to choose and if you're real Christians, you'll choose love Uh, The problem is is that the only reason we know anything about what love is is from The orthodoxy the orthodox doctrines that we have the doctrines tell us what love is God is love is a doctrine Um, It is not found in other religions. It's found in scripture and it's part of the revelation that God has given us. We cannot throw out orthodoxy and still have love. If we're doing something else that's the opposite of orthodoxy and against it, then that means we are not doing something that's of love. So how do we define love? We define it by what Scripture says about it. We can't define it from our own selves, and that's a major, major issue that we're going to have to... Um, deal with in this deconstruction or some people are it the age of deconstruction the fourth question i think if christ is the one who constructed the church because his body is our temple um, and he as he said destroy this body i will i will raise it up in three days how then do we have the right to tear it down it's not ours in the first place we didn't build it god builds it now this does not mean that there aren't people who Abuse people, There doesn't mean that there aren't real questions that people need to be able to ask. Uh, it doesn't mean that um, there aren't people who are mistreated in church and so on and so forth. Uh, but what it does mean is that someone abusing a pastor, for instance, abusing their authority, uh, does not mean that the totality of what a, a pastor is, the office of the pastor, should be destroyed. Uh, it means that that pastor needs to be Remove. There's a difference. If a, if a president does something wrong, and most of them do, we don't say, okay, we're not going to have an executive office anymore. We don't destroy the whole system. Uh, we just remove that one, or we vote that one out, and then we vote another one in. Now, some people would say, no, we need to remove the whole system, but we have to remember, with regards to the Bible and the church, our foundation is the Word of God which was established in heaven. It's established in eternity and it's a revelation from God Himself. That's how we build it up. Now some people (laughs) were there were some people in the comment section saying we need to deconstruct the notion of the Word of God but again if we start deconstructing scripture then why are we still calling ourselves Christians anymore? The reason we know anything about the church is because we have the scriptures and so it's vital That we do listen to people who have had problems in the church. We do take them seriously. We do try and reform. There needs to be a constant notion of reforming. But that we also hold to what the scripture tells us is true. Uh, We have to stick to truth because love without truth isn't really the totality of love. It's more like a feeling or um, a desire that we might have within us. And our desires are fallible. What we want is fallible. Our thoughts are fallible. It is not what God desires and what God wants. It is Scripture that allows us to know what God wants, what His will is for our life, and who we are. Man has a wicked heart who can know it. So we need Scripture. We we can't afford to deconstruct at the level that people are discussing here. I also... I disagree with using the term deconstruction as a um, synonym with reform. I don't believe it's a, a, a type of reform at all. I would disagree with using it. But I do think we need to be sensitive to listening to people's issues, uh, but make sure uh, that when we're dealing with those issues, we support those people with the Scriptures. Uh, if we throw all of that out, uh, on what basis or what right do we have to call ourselves Christians anymore? And so that's a a little bit about deconstruction. There's a whole lot more. Obviously, it's much more complicated. But generally, what people are saying, um, I, I think, I, is something that we need to disagree with. <laughs> I, I just can't agree with the idea of deconstructing our faith or of even using the term when we're questioning people or when we're trying to discipline people or when we're um, coming out with abuses and things like that. Using the term deconstruction uh, is an inappropriate way to term reform, in my opinion. So uh, if you liked it, remember to hit subscribe. Go to the website, RevJenkins.org. There'll be some new music up soon and some more sermons, and we'll talk to you later. Bye.